Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the all-new Razor Guide Pack from Outdoor Edge has it all. Coming in at only 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. The Houndsman XP podcast is fueled by Joy Dog Food. Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the Houndsman of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American Houndsman. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. For 76 years, this made-in-America product has kept hunting dogs in the field day after day, season after season. And when we say made in America, Joy has a long track record of fighting for American freedoms by being on the front lines against the animal rights movement and their extremist tactics. Joy will fuel your hounds and fight for your freedoms, fueled by Joy. is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in here. The original podcast for the complete houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Shoot up there! Yeah! 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 Good boy! Good boy, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many days how many days a week can you spend on As much as I can to be honest with you. Anytime that I get I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. <laughs> On this episode of the Houndsman XP Podcast, Chad and I talk about how you can make your tie-outs Karen-proof. Everybody's got their nose in everybody's business these days, and the way we house our dogs and our hounds is no exception. And for some reason, it has become an evil practice to have a dog tethered. All kinds of tethering laws pop up every year all around the country. Well, Chad and I are going to shell this one right down to the cob we're going to talk about tie out setups how you can up your game and how you can explain why you have a dog tied out when your nosy neighbor calls the dog warden we're going to talk about setups we're going to talk about square footage dog psychology tethered versus kennel exercise rates we're going to talk about it all folks in this one and you are going to come out of this better prepared to justify why you have your dog's tied out. So Karen, mind your own business. My dog's healthy, happy, safe, and he can just be a dog. Before we get into this conversation, make sure you check us out over at houndsmanxp.com. We have a shop set up there. We just dropped a cool design called This is Fair Chase. Houndsman, this makes a statement for us. No longer are we going to be sitting in the background and, and just taking this abuse that hunting with hounds is not fair chase you can go over there and get that design on a hoodie a t-shirt decals right there 
we're going to have it all. You can get it on a travel mug and and be proud of what we do and stand up for hunting with hounds and fair chase. It makes a statement for our hound hunting community. Be watching for announcements for upgrades on that store as well. It's coming soon, folks. We're going to have some cool tumblers coming out, handcrafted leather belt knife sheaths. Each one of these is handcrafted right here in the USA. Keeps your knife handy. And they're just slick looking, man. They are they are classy. I'm really excited about that. So check us out at houndsmanxp.com. We sure do appreciate you. Let's get the tailgate down. It's time to dump the box. What are you eating, Chad? Uh, Doritos Cool Ranch, man. You're not a health food nut, huh? Negative, negative. You got, I'll worry you, about that when I slow down a little bit. <laughs> you just need calories. That's it. Pour maple syrup on them here in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was watching this documentary one time on sumo wrestlers and talked about what they ate. Mm-hmm. And like for every meal, they drink three beers with it. And then they go to sleep right after they, uh, right after they they eat, to ensure that they keep their weight up. Mm-hmm. You're a long as way them, away from Wake that. up, work out, eat as much as you can, drink a few beers, go to sleep. Wake up, work out, eat as much as you can, drink a few beers, go to sleep. I mean, that's a that's all right, you know. Yeah. Well, that's about what you do. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> You're working out. You're working out. Just getting out there and getting after it. Did you line yeah. hunt? Did you line hunt this morning? I went. I went, but the the wind was really bad. I just I got a thing where I I gotta go, even if I don't think there's a chance of me turning out, just to see if something's in the area. Because sometimes, you know how it is. You sometimes something will cross a road, and then they'll stay off the road. But if you check all the roads around that little spot, you can tell if he's still in there. You know, so. I go and look even I'll, as much as I can, just in case, because if I, even if I don't turn out, I can go check again. And if I didn't see him come out, I'll just free cast or ride down in there and give it a shot, you know? Yeah. So I went and looked, but I didn't see anything. It was horrible. It was really windy and blowing and drifting. I think it was like 50, 55 mile an hour gusts and everything. So it, bad day. Lost power. We've been without power for like a while. It got back about six hours ago, so. No kidding. Yeah, one of them days. Well, you're sitting in here by the fire. You notice that? <laughs> I see that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is my fall festival, uh, fall festival theme going on here. Guess who's calling me? Who's that? Josh Michaelis hey. is calling me. Yeah. I ought to put him on speaker. Go for it. Hey. Hang on a second. Me and Chad are recording a podcast, and you're on the air. Oh, cool. You guys finally got a good guest. <laughs> yeah, I know. Got Chad on. <laughs> and then you're How bombing you doing, the party. Man? Yeah, yeah. We're talking about uh, tethering dogs out. He can't hear you because you're. I've got my headphones on, but yeah. you can't hear him, I should say. So... Hey, let me call you back in a few minutes. All right. There you go. there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. The famous Josh Michaelis thinks he's got to have his name on everything. Even calling in during our recording session. Made a cameo. Some intelligence into every conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that, whatever, buddy. <laughs> See ya. That was funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... I don't even know where we were. Josh, Josh just derails everything. So, uh, what were we talking about? We're just, chatting. just weather, weather, oh. and the and the lack of lion hunting I've got going on right now because the snow's yeah. so damn tall I can't get anywhere. Yeah, man, we had a blast hog hunting this past weekend. Is that right? Oh yeah, we didn't we didn't catch any big bruisers or anything, but uh, I'll tell you what, you know this whole thing. I listen to guys talk about uh, not being able to control hounds and and do different things. 
we ran a hog down to the home of Chitter River and it crossed the river and it was up. I mean, it was crazy up, swollen, and it had a lot of current in it. And, and we got down to the sandbar and the hog was crossing the river when we got there. And we're on uh -huh. side, we're on side by sides. We weren't, or, uh, yeah, we weren't hunting out of boats. They can and, swim. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we get down there and we're trying to catch dogs and we got almost everything caught except Mike's big show dog or uh, Showtime dog. And Showtime swam that river. You could see the hog running on the, he could see the hog running on the other side of the river. You know, that's what was mm -hmm. keeping him going. And this current's washing him downstream, washing him downstream. And he finally gets out and now he's picked up and he's running this hog again. And, um, Mike's like, I will, can't, we can't be over there. That's a, another lease. We got to get him back over here. He just toned him and yelled at him and showtime jumped back in that river. hundred. Uh, it, it was at least a hundred yards wide mm -hmm. and, uh, showtime jumps back in the river and swims right back over to us. Paddled right across back to, oh you, huh? yeah. Yeah. He came out downstream, but, but, uh, my Diablo dog will do that too. Mm -hmm. Cajun will do it. But Cajun needs a little bit more of more encouragement than than what Diablo and Showtime do. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. For all you naysayers out there that that think that us houndsmen can't control hounds, there you go. I've got video of it. I've got video of us doing this. So, there you go. Yeah, I got a I got a one of the buddies when I moved out here, you know, and I came from hog hunting myself and was super pumped about getting into this lion stuff. We saw it where it went all the way down into the canyon, all the way across. And we got to sit there and watch the track a bunch, you know. We saw just the tail end of the line, but got to see the dogs track it across. And then we saw <clears throat> uh, the lion climb that ponderosa, jump off on the cliff, you know. And they went over there and treated at the bottom of that ponderosa. There's no way they could get around, not over there. And they just tried and tried and tried and tried. And I'm sitting there like, man, do I want to like this guy? Should I stay and help collect <laughs> dogs? God, can I get out of here? Like, trying, I'm like weighing my options, you know. Right. And, uh, and I, I didn't know what I was getting into, but he just toned, 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 and they all turned around and came out ducks in a row, just backtracked yeah. right back up to us, you know? And it took them about 30 minutes to get to us, you know, the way they came. But I just, I blew I see a lot more. I see a lot more hounds like that, you know, a lot more hounds these days where people are actually using the technology and putting a handle on them. And I think, I think it's a good thing for houndsmen in general that, that, um, you know, people are taking advantage of that. And putting a handle on these dogs because, man, you just never know. Hunting spots are getting smaller, especially in the east. So, yeah, it's cool. It's a good thing. Good thing. It's awesome. Yeah. Hey, we were going to talk about something that that um, we talked we talked about doing the thing on tethering. You know, tying dogs yeah. out and and kind of clearing the air on that because we every year it comes up. You know, some a uh, township or county or state has a bill out there to reduce or restrict tethering. And of all places, Texas passed one two years ago. I didn't think we'd ever see that, but you mm -hmm. know, Texas passed one. And in my mind, if it can happen in Texas, it can happen anywhere. So I agree. We were just having a good discussion the other day about, about why tethering can be a good thing. Oh, and, great. and we we're just like, we had to do an episode on this. So here it is to tether or not to tether. That is the question. <laughs> right. So, you know, tethering, tethering serves a lot of purposes for sure. And I know you tether a lot of dogs out. Oh yeah. If I had the money, I'd tether all of them. I don't have the money in the room. So, I mean, I have to use, you know, kennel runs sometimes, but if I was a millionaire who had all the, all the room in the world, all my dogs would be tethered. tethered. I prefer it. It's, it's, a, it's well, the best way to go about it for me. Why don't, you, why don't you explain your system? Because it sounds, when you say that, it's like a chain, a chain and a stake is a heck of a lot cheaper than, than putting up a kennel. So what do you mean if you've got the money? <clears throat> the room. That's, that's the main thing. The money for the room, you know, the land. Because this, this, right off the bat, the easiest thing to, to talk about that makes these tethering such a good option is the square footage you know we want to give our dogs room you know give them room to run and play around and do whatever you know everybody always likes to talk about the dogs that are neglected or always in this confined space but i mean just quick numbers quick numbers uh six by ten kennel run is only 60 square feet 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mike well, let's, let's, here. Let's hold on to that for a second. I mean, I okay. did step away. So, I, but describe. Did, did you describe break down your break down your? Oh setup? no, I'm sorry. I kind of got going there. I, yeah. No, my no, setups. I got a bunch. I, I unleashed you, and now I'm toning toning <laughs> you back in. <laughs> Tell me, tone me back, man. I got off. The, <laughs> I got off the track. Um, all right, <clears throat> my setup. I got okay for my kennel runs. My kennel runs are five by fifteen. You know, and that's what I keep. Now, if I double up dogs, I'll do I'll do ten by fifteen. You know. Um, if you know these particular dogs like like each other enough to 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 you know stay in the doghouse together and everything like that, some prefer it. You know, so my big yeah. ones are ten by fifteen. My single runs are five by fifteen. I don't think that's required by any chance, but that's what I have. You know, I I, I have the room for that. Um, but the system I have that I like and I wish I could just do a lot of is I have a, a giant dirt pen. Uh, my tree. Um. I got on a cable run and it's a 30 foot cable run, you know, and I just do an H brace at the end that I use to, to tuck the doghouse up underneath and make a lean to off of. So they got shade, you know, for uh-huh. summer days. And then the, if it gets cold in the evening, they can get into the doghouse. And then in the winter, of course, they spend more time in the doghouse than anything, but that's what I got. I got a cable run that's 30 feet long. And on that, I have um, a, a six foot chain. How, high is, off it, of that how high is your cable off the ground? about about four feet okay about four feet um and uh i mean that gives them that gives them a lot of room you know that's Mm -hmm. 12 by 30 you know right Um, and uh they love it that's the the reason they like it because i have some dogs that if i put in the kennel run they'll just sulk they'll go in the corner and just look at their belly you know hang their head um and uh, not all dogs hate it you know but i got i don't have any dogs that hate the chain and i have quite a few chain dogs that hate the kennel, you know? And I think the reason for that is uh, that dogs like to dig, you know? And yeah. my kennel runs, in my experience, you either want them on cement or you want to put some some wire down and then gravel over top of it or whatever, but digging out is always a concern or digging out underneath or off the top. But on the cable run, they can dig, they could roll in the dirt, they, you know? Like they can crawl up on top of their doghouse because you're not worried about them climbing back out. They mm-hmm. They have like a 360 degree unobstructed view of the world. You know, I don't think kenneling a dog is bad, but they are on the inside of a cage looking out, you know, whereas a tethered dog can look at the horizon, you know, like oh, they love that. They they love it. You know, yeah. like just being able to look around and, and, and dig. There's no God, barriers. Terrier, There's no barriers know? between them and the world. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then tons of room. That's the cool. That's one of the best parts to me about tethering is just how much room you can give them, you know, and a lot of your older veteran dogs will kind of, you know, hang out in one area, go to the doghouse, get the water. But, you know, at least once a day, they like to run around, they get spunky, they'll bark at each other, they'll, you know, they'll get a little wild and, and they like to have that. I think, I think it helps the dog. I think it's good for a dog to have that, you know, and like I said, my, my five by 15 kennel runs, it's, it's just, it's not, it's not the same, you know, and then that's not to mention what I had back in Louisiana was carousels. And I'm a I'm a big fan of those setups. Have you are you familiar with those? Yeah, go ahead and explain it though. Okay, the the carousel where you take like a oh I was working oil field way back then, so I had access to a bunch of the two inch pipe, and I just hammer that into the ground enough to to secure the dog, and then take some you know half inch or thicker rebar and heat it up and bend it over, you know, and then have the the point of the rebar that was going down into the ground. I'd have that long enough that it, it would basically touch the soil, you know? Right. And then it would come up and it would bend over out of 90 <clears throat> and then go out like six feet or seven feet. And at the end, I would heat it again and make a little eyelet, you know, and then I'd run a chain through that. And then you have to make the chain short enough that it can't go back to that main pipe that's stuck mm-hmm. right up out of the ground and then wrap around the chain and then hop over it because then they could, you know, they could tie themselves up and, and choke themselves. So you just make it short enough to where it can't, they can't do that. Right. You know, so if you have a seven foot rebar hanging out there and six foot of <clears throat> and six foot of chain, and that's a that's a lot of room right there. No kidding. You know? Yeah. And you could tuck the I always did those high enough to where I could tuck the doghouse um up underneath it. So the bonus of the carousel is <laughs> for those dogs that really like pacing, man, they could just get on the end of that chain and they just go. Some of the some of the they terriers dig trenches. Would, 
They do. It looks like yeah. Talladega. They're up at like a 45 degree <laughs> angle. If you let them go and it'll hold water, you got to put, you got to put drainage, you know, ditches in there. <laughs> they'll, they'll fan the soil up so much, but well, I, to, get, to give you an idea, the kind of space you're talking about on the setup, you just described seven feet with six foot of chain is roughly 530 square feet. Yeah. 530 square feet. The, the dog pound, where people donate their money for the humane treatment of animals. The typical kennel is what? Five by 10. If that. Yeah. So you're yeah. looking at 50 square feet mm -hmm. and yet, yet putting this dog out here on a carousel or tying it out is somehow inhumane. Yep. Some, why, somehow. What do you think? You think that, is it just anthropomorphism? You know, how would you like to be, how would you like to be on a chain? You know, the, the stigma of being chained up, uh, captive. What is that? That's all that is to me, man. It's but being in a cage isn't any better. Exactly. That That's the thing. Like, they even talk about um, uh, prisoners, some of the old prisons. Uh, they, they, they were taking the bars away and putting up glass because the, the bars had a negative effect on their mental health, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, like, uh, so... Uh, I just think it's a stigma. Oh, he's chained out. And there's some uh, ridiculous notion that it's just, if a dog's on a chain, it is going to be less taken care of than a dog that's that's in uh, a kennel run. And even that, I, I get into it with some of the, the pet owners. Now, we all know pet owners, and some of them are great people, and others, you know, are a little misguided. But dirt some bags. of them think... Just say it. Some of them are dirt bags and should own, own animals. Yeah. They are. And, and a lot uh, some of them will will preach that a dog should should be kept inside i'm like oh okay so like a prison cell you know like stuck inside a room sitting on the couch staring at the wall just waiting for you to come home that's kind of selfish to me like I, even my dogs that i keep in the house i let them out you know so they could go play in the dirt and be a dog dig holes pee on each other you know <laughs> whatever they want to do you know be a dog you know and and no 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 we keep ours in a carpeted prison you know all day because that's what's best no it ain't it, it it cannot possibly be better even our prisoners have mandatory recreation time where they go outside yeah you know? yeah i don't know so, man my roxy the boxer and axel the pit bull man they like being inside they like the couch mm -hmm. and when, when mama comes home they get to come in. So they're all excited to see her, but they spend, they spend the days outside, Yeah, you know, and, and you'll see them out here doing laps in the yard and, and, and different stuff. It's, it's just a, it's a fallacy. It's, it's a, what do you want to call that? A, a false narrative that has been built around the evil doers of people who would tie a dog out. And I, I wanted to have this conversation so that, because this is what is inevitably happening around the country. And I'll give you an example of how this could affect me someday. When you pull in my, in my driveway, you have to turn around in the barn lot to get out. Well, I've got my kennel set up there, but I've also got a couple tie outs where I keep dogs tied out. And I'm always worried about people that come back there, either delivery drivers or the mail, mail, driver or the people checking the utilities, you know, that they, they don't understand what's going on and it's cold outside and, oh, here's this poor dog. And, and so I want to be able to be prepared to tell people exactly the benefits of having these dogs tied out, mm -hmm. you know, get some talking points down. So when the animal control officer shows up, which most of the time, uh, has very limited law enforcement authority just for our, for our listeners out there. That's why oh, yeah. they always bring bring the sheriff or the local police with them. But uh, uh, yeah, I want I want people to have some talking points so that they can they can talk intelligently about this and defend yeah, defend their best interests. You know. So yeah, so the square footage thing is huge. You know, we talked about the carousel, five hundred and thirty some square feet. Yeah, there's some other doesn't... bonuses to that too. I mean, yeah, like, let's run through one it. of the things about the chain being on the ground is it can kind of drag around and it'll kind of scoop up some of the waste. Um, um, and, uh, it kills the grass is the main thing. So mm -hmm. it's a little bit of a nice order, but so what, you know, we're after the safety and the well-being of the dogs and they're healthy and happy there. But the bonus of the carousel 
over just a, a ground spot, ground chain, is it keeps the chain up off the ground because the dog almost always goes out to the end and then they run their path there and then they get a nice little smooth track raced out and then that's just yeah. their, best, their favorite place to run. But the point is, is that the chain comes, stays off the ground. And back in Louisiana, I don't have this here, but back in Louisiana, we had a lot of dung beetles, a lot of bugs that ate poop, you know, from uh -huh. all the cattle and everything like that. And the grass around the center of that racetrack supported the life of the dung beetles. They'd live there. So the dogs would come in and poop and pee on the chain there and the dung beetles would eat it up. And I mean, I clean my kennels every single day, every day, sometimes twice a day, if I get a free minute. It just makes right. life easier on me. I hate going out there and trying to make them spotless. And, you know, if you work at it and keep them clean, you can teach them to poop in the back. I got most of my dogs will poop in like two square feet in the back left-hand corner of the kennel runs. Um, and I got a bunch of tricks for, you know, how to train that. But if you keep them clean, they poop in the same spot. And that's cool. But if you have the carousels, the dung beetles will eat all the poop up. You know, so even yeah. though I'd go out there to clean it up, I, I was barely cleaning anything up because they would eat it as fast as they drop it, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's some other bonus. It's very sanitary, you know? Yeah. It's very sanitary, you know? So we've got we've got psychological health of the dog, right? Right. You, we, be, we believe that. I, I'd, li I'd like to see if there's – it'd be cool if we could have some studies to go along with that. But we, we've all got common sense here. We know mm -hmm. the difference. We know when our dogs are happy. I can bring – like I had Cajun – tied out and when he's tied out there man if i came out the door uh you know when i walk out there the the house dogs are coming with me the other house dogs run out there tough's always out there rolling around in the dirt with him and and playing with right. him and stuff i got some video of that where they're just happy the interaction every time i walk in and out of that barn he's right there and i can put my hands on him and and make him make him feel I, I can just make him happy. I think I make him happier doing that. More interaction with me. Mm -hmm. uh, if he's if he's over in my kennel setup, then it's real easy for me to walk past there because then I have to open the door and I got to talk to him and you know yeah. any of the dogs. But they sulk, so I took him and put him in the. I would see him every day when he was tied out, and then I switched some dogs around and I put him in the kennel. And like you said, he sulked. He was like, "Well, I want to be out on the chain," yeah. you know. You know, and it's, it's, uh, he was always happy to see you when you got to the kennel door, but, but I really, I, I think there's something to it. And, and it's not being anthropomorphic to think that dogs can be happier in certain situations and feel better and just be dogs. They love being dogs. They like rolling around in the dirt and digging. Exactly. You know, like throw a, an old dead fish out there. The first thing they're going to do is flop on their back and roll in it, man. Dogs like to be dogs. <laughs> they like to roll in the dirt. They like to dig in it, you know? Yeah. And, so and you can't do that on cement it's hard yep. to do in gravel you know yep. and they got more space better psycho psychological health more space on a tie out than in most kennels unless you've got a big <laughs> a big exercise yard i know a lot of people have one big pen that they keep all their hounds in that's great too because um, <laughs> they're they're still getting in the dirt and they're still doing all the things that dogs love to do um what else did we say oh sanitation sanitation with the more room with more room, they aren't stepping in their waist. You know, right. they they designate a waste area, you know, and they aren't they aren't stomping in their waist. And then what I hate, oh gosh, when I get client dogs in or something like that, and uh they're either not familiar with it or came from a different type of uh setup, but they'll stomp in their poop. And then when you come up to walk by, they stand up and slap their paws on the oh yeah, on the kennel and will flick little turd pieces at oh I've my had, gosh, that's I've had turds in the eyes so many times. <laughs> And I hate like, it. Oh, or when it hits you in the corner of the mouth, you're like, I know what that was. And you're just don't like, get caught yawning. Don't oh, get no. caught yawning at the dog kennels, man. Yeah. Keep your mouth you shut. <laughs> you can't be a mouth breather around, around the kennel. That's for sure. <laughs> nope. Um, <laughs> so sanitation is a big one. I, I feel dogs with more room. It's not that the chain, the tether is cleaner. No, it's that you, it's easier to give the dog more room and and therefore they aren't in their waist as much right with more right because if they have the option they will step around it you know yep and i'll tell you i'll tell you another advantage to it is for hunting applications the the dogs that i have tied out so the, the setup that i use is not a carousel but it's a it's a piece of angle iron with a hole drilled and a quick link in the end of it and then a piece of chain coming off of it i pound that thing all the way down on the ground mm -hmm. they're about they're about uh I'd say they're probably at least 12 inches long. 
Okay. You know, and I pound those all the way down on the ground. Then that chain has nothing to get tangled up on. There is nothing there. And I'll put a swivel, one swivel in it, two lengths of chain, and then attach it to the collar. The other end is in the ground. Mm -hmm. And then around all those chains where I, where I'm tying out, then I'll have gravel and it's, it's, it's Creek rock. You know, mm -hmm. we've got abundance of Creek rock in these ditches and, and creeks here. And I can just farm it right out of there, harvest it right out of the creeks. Tough feet. They've got yeah. tougher feet than my dogs that are standing in their kennels because yep. they exercise more. They get out there. They're out there. They're tied out where, you know, with a foot or two between, between each dog where they can't reach each other. So they're constantly out there interacting with the other dogs and romping and, and, yep. and running around. So better feet. And yeah, uh, on that note, can I hop in? I want to say, I want to yeah, talk on that for a yeah. second. Um, because I got a firm belief on that. And you said you're on gravel and I yep. think personally, if you're if strictly feet, I think gravel is the best, the best way to go. Mm -hmm. Because if you put them on cement, they get really hard feet, like too hard. Yeah. And then they get off the cement and they get into the soft soil and those hard, really stiff calluses they have there, then they crack. Right. You know, when they're running on soft soil, sand or the leaves or like moist soil and everything, those hard calluses that they build up to walk around on the cement, then those crack. They, they aren't as tough. They aren't as pliable. Well, have you, ever you seen a, them, have you ever seen a concrete worker's hands? You know, I mean, oh, yeah. the same way yeah. that yeah. Li the lime in the and stuff and the, the calcium in the concrete, it's leaching out of there. It's not it's not like once it's finished, it's it's under there. You're going to you're going to get some of that transfer. And that's why. And here's a here's a plug for one of our sponsors. Paws are protected. You know, seriously, I mm -hmm. keep that on the dog's feet on gravel and I have no foot issues from those dogs. Yeah. That's teaming up two of the best things right there, though. That's, you know, that's, yep. that's a good, a good maintenance product. And then gravel to top it off, too. That's about right. as good as it gets. Yep. My other yep. thing is if they're on too soft a ground, then if they get into the hard rock, you know, then they're too supple. So that, to mm -hmm. me, that's where gravel comes in because it's, it's hard and it keeps, you know, it keeps them from getting tender feet. But then at the same time, it's still flexible. So those calluses are bending, you know, yep. and it's not a, a frying pan on the bottom of their ball, you know? Right. So, well, the other, the other benefit to having gravel is I can go out there every evening when I feed and it takes me literally less than two minutes per dog to clean up. You know, I can clean it up, put it in a bucket, take it over and get rid of it. And so I keep the, you can keep the area clean. Cleveland Becky Dwyer have a huge dog yard up there. I've seen pictures of it. I've never seen it personally, but, uh, they use the A-frame dog houses. She uses cables instead of chains just to reduce some of the stress on the, on the neck vertebrae yeah. and stuff. But, uh, that place is clean as a pen. They clean it up every day mm -hmm. and it's totally sanitary that you can go in there since everything's on gravel and you can sanitize, you can spray bleach, you can do whatever you want mm -hmm. and, and take complete care with dogs that are tied out a lot better health than most dogs that live in people's homes. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, mental well-being, sanitation, yeah, all of the above, you know? <laughs> yeah. And there's more, we're still plugging through them. There's oh, more yeah. reasons, you know, yeah, go, <laughs> That's just like, some of them, you know? What else um, you got? Um, uh, let's see. The uh, What were they? You know, I'll like tell you, you said, while, while, you're, while you're thinking, I'll put one out there. Okay. When we turn these dogs loose, this is what a lot of people don't understand, and this is one of the main reasons every young dog pup that I have gets tied out for a portion of its life at least, okay? Um, and the reason is is because... For one thing, a dog that's that understands being tied out, he's going to get tied up at every tree he goes to, more than likely. Uh -huh. So he's going to be tied out. So he's not going to be fighting that. That's not going to be a new experience for him. But he's also going to be out there running through the world. And there's going to be hazards out there. There's going to be things that are going to get snagged in his collar in a, you know, in a brush pile. Maybe an old beat-down fence. Maybe it's a... a and I'm not ripping on trappers here because I'm a trapper and, and all that stuff too, but maybe it's a snare, a coyote snare. I've taken dogs out of coyote snares that were just standing there looking at me when I got there because <laughs> they, they learned that there's no reason to fight this. I might as well just stand here and, and wait for, wait for 
Chris to get here and take care of me because he'll be here. Mm-hmm. You know, so though it's a safety thing as well. You know, hunting dogs aren't well. I mean, people should tie their house dogs out because house dogs absolutely don't know what to do when they come across a snare. And yep. the last thing they want to do is go find their dog, you know, dead in a snare because they couldn't find it and and it sat there and fought it until it choked itself out. Yep. So that's my big one. Briar Creek Kennels is your complete hound hunting outfitter. Boots, lights, collars, and tracking equipment. Dog boxes, kennel supplies, collars, clothes, squalors. Whew, they have it all. Briar Creek Kennel is a garment and dog trade dealer. Owner Chris Girth will ensure Briar Creek Kennel customers will get top of the industry customer service. Whether you purchase from their website or you find them at a major coonhound event, Chris and his staff will share expert knowledge and experience about every product they offer. Chris Girth is a top competitor and breeder of hounds. He knows what gear you need to be successful. Look for Briar Creek Kennels on the web for a complete online store or look at their fully stocked trailer at any major coonhound event. Briar Creek Kennels, offering a hound hunting public generations of excellence. And on that, I mean, to add to your points there, there's two things. I use a chain for two types of training as well. If I get a dog that needs leash breaking, you know, it's not it's not it came to me for leash breaking. But it came for me a bunch of other stuff, and I can't facilitate the training that I'm supposed to do because the dog <laughs> has never walked on a leash. Yeah. If I have them out there on the thing, that's that you're halfway there. As soon as they get confident on that back tie or the the the, the tether, you're you're halfway there. They already are comfortable with the pull on their neck and the the chain dragging beside them. So it's 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 a great way to segue into leash breaking if you just didn't get quiet on it fast enough when it was a pup or this uh this dog you got from somewhere else and it just happens to be a little timid. That's that's a good way of doing it. And then to segue on to the second point, if I get timid dogs, you know, it happens. Yeah. Some yeah. of these guys got a little coyote running around in them, you know, or whatever. They're a little, they're a little, That's little right. timid. And uh, I love a tether for that. That's one of the best ways because you can, you can flank their perimeter. They got a radius, you know, and you could see where they can get to. And if you just pass by it while talking to that boy, you know, the dog gets your, get your, your high pitched voice on, hey buddy, you know, and yeah. he'll come out and kind of come up to meet you. And then don't you don't even gotta, you know, just reach your fingers out and let him get a little smell. And you go on about your day. And just every time you go by, you just kind of reach your fingers out <clears throat> and you keep doing that. Eventually, that that whereas if it was a dog in a kennel run, you gotta go out there and open the gate, walk in there, you're staring right at him, you're coming right at him. And this is again, this is a timid dog. We're trying to correct something here. Right. Uh they start backing up, they just cower down for some mm-hmm. reason. But if they're on the tether, and then you just strafe their radius, whereas like the as you come closest, you just let them just barely sniff your hand or touch you or something like that, and you just keep walking by it. You do that for a week, and they're slamming into the end of that tether, coming up at you, playing, and you could ease in and roughhouse with them and then run around the tether. You could bring a timid dog out of out of that that coyote, whatever. You know, mm-hmm. not that they really have coyotes in them. Everybody knows that. That's just a term. Yeah, wait, like the yeah. But yeah. it brings them out of that really well. A tether is one of the best ways. You know, get him away from his litter mates and stuff like that. Get him on the tether and let all of his attention be from you. And you can hand feed him treats that way. If right. you got a scared dog, get him away from his buddies on the tether and then just take it slow and play with him. You know, and and then and then you're halfway to leash breaking on the <laughs> as a side note. So that's two other good parts about the tethering that I like a lot yeah. that you don't get with kennels, you know. Um, uh, and then the safety aspect, my dogs climb, you know, my kennel runs, I got, I got a top on all those, you know, I have probably like two hounds that don't climb. I could probably put them in a kennel run without a top on it, but most of the others, they climb out, right. You know, they'll dig out the bottom, they'll climb out the top. Heck, I even had one named Pete that would, <laughs> they would slam up on the back of the kennel run. And then, you know how, like, because I told you, they're like 5 by 10s or 10 by 15, you know, I mean, uh, uh-huh. 5 by 15 or 10 by 15. Well, you get that, it's like a book binding on the very end of that 10 foot where the two 5 foot panels meet. And he would slam into that over and over and over again and push the kennel off the edge of the cement and then and then crawl out through the gap, you know. Like, th- these dogs can be smart, you know, so there's always a risk of them getting out. 
And if we've done our part, their cattle broke, they broke the livestock and goats and stuff like that, and they shouldn't get into trouble. But you can, you can't overcount on your neighbors. What if you know right. you go to the you know the dog goes into the neighbor's yard and two of their dogs are fighting, you know, and then the, the dog's generally going to jump in, right. you know, and that's not what they see. All they see is that strange dog came over there and Fluffy's in trouble, you know. You got it. You know, or 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 anything happens to the livestock at all, and your dog happens to be zipping by, they're in trouble. You know, and I, I will debate this until I am blue in the face with anybody on the face of the planet. But a chain spot, a tether, a, a legitimate chain, tether system is more secure than any kennel setup there is. It, period. What about, a, what about snaps failing or something like that? You don't worry about that? I don't use snaps personally. That's the way I do it. I have the name collar on, you know, and that goes up. That always is the highest as in closest to the ears, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so you have that collar all the way up tight. And um, uh, then below that, you have, I get these collars from, you can get them from a bunch of different places. I get them from one that's like a bulldog weight pull supplier. And uh, they're two-inch nylon collars. And on the inside of it is fleece. And it doesn't cost me another penny. It's the exact same price as the ones that don't have it. And they just stitch in the fleece lining. You know, so, I mean, <laughs> Talk about no wear and tear on the dog's neck or anything like that. You know, right. it's soft. It's like my pillow wrapped around their neck, you know. Um, but the way I do that is I put that underneath. So that that collar is closest to their shoulders. And whenever I take the dog off of that tether, I unbuckle it. There, There is no clip. There's yeah. no clip at all. So Every, you're just going you're going from chain quick link to collar, and you're quick linking the deer. <clears throat> quick, quick, using a quick link to attach the collar to the chain. That's right, with Loctite. So okay. I never have to worry about it again. It'll go collar, you know, dog, <laughs> collar, quick connect, swivel, quick connect, chain, the length of the chain. And then depending on the application, I may or may not put another swivel before the ground or the carousel or whatever. But you don't always need that. But some applications you do, especially if it's a dirt tie, you know, like the chain goes right into the ground. I'll put a swivel there sometimes, but I don't. it's not always necessary. It's just another, another thing. But that's that way – that there's no way that dog can get undone. You you buckle, you know, you bring the dog in from hunting and you put the collar on him. And buddy, if an F4 tornado comes through and destroys your house and takes your truck and throws it in the neighbor's yard and picks up your kennels and takes them to the next county, that dog may pass away <laughs> from the damage. He'd done. take a wild ride. Yeah, well, I mean, that dog may <laughs> pass. Like everything else is gonna pass. My house is destroyed. I could die. But my point is that dog's going to be right there. Yeah. <laughs> He's not getting off the chain. There is nothing to break on that. And as long as you do the maintenance, I mean, every, you know, every spring I walk through and look at everything. I look at my pulleys on my cable runs. I look at my quick connects. I look at all that. And they, they do wear and tear. And it's too easy. Take a set of bolt cutters, cut them off, put a new one on. Little dab of uh, Loctite, little red juice on there and tighten yeah. it down and <laughs> forget about it. You that is done for the next year, you know? Well, think think about if, I mean, we've all done it, Chad. We've all, we've all just gone out there and threw a chain around something and, and, and tethered a dog without any thought. But think about if people would take the time to put in as much thought as you have and mm-hmm. to be able to explain it the way you just did. This is why my dog is tethered out. You know, when the sheriff comes with the animal control officer and the dungaree wearing animal rights activist, <laughs> yeah, and they show up and talk about how thoughtless it is to tie your dog out and you can walk them through and you can say, look how this dog is, is tethered. Mm-hmm. Just think about how I set this up. I set this up for this purpose. These are the, you know, this is my setup. Look at the swivels. The swivels are there so he can't kink that chain. He's not going to be stranded out here. That's look right. at my carousel. It's always, you know, look at all this stuff. And then you start talking about the benefits. Most of the police officers that I know and worked with for a number of years is going to look at that and they're going to say, I need to go home and set my dogs up like this. This guy's yeah. put a lot, put a lot of thought into it. We're leaving and you're going to go find something else to do today. Yep. 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 I'm yeah, I'm, I'm spot on. It's, 
it's it's safer, more secure. And, and the bulldog guys know this. This is you know that's the that's the best way to secure one of them rascals. You don't want him getting off, you know. Um, and then even yeah. my terriers, I've tried putting that green vinyl dipped like what is it two by three wire across the top. Uh-huh. You know, I figured okay, these aren't my big you know my big seventy eighty pound tree hounds. I just got my terriers in here. I'll put the this green wire over the top and not not have to buy a cattle panel or something like that. I'll do it. My 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 terrier Missy would run up the wall, grab a hold of that green wire, and hang from it like a dancing pinata. You got some crazy she, dogs. He snatched it down. Well, you know we train here. You know there's a lot of stuff to get excited <laughs> about. You know, <laughs> so they hear another dog getting you know learning how to tree or learning how to do this or loading up and loading dogs and take. They all get excited. It happens, yeah. you know, but yeah. it's happened. Missy will hang from that green wire until she tears it down and then walk up it to get out, you know, and that was a, that was a kennel with a cement bottom and a wired top. Yeah. The dead dog still got out of, but she, on that cable run, there's, <laughs> it ain't happening, Jack. She ain't getting off that. So right. I, I can go on for days, man. It's, it's just better in every way. I, I fail to come up with a, a way that it's bad. I mean, if you if you were to do something incorrectly, just like the kennel runs, you know, um, if you were to use like a, a thick logging chain and let it hang on their neck and they're having to drag it around and they're hanging there, okay, but you don't you don't need that. Like, even some of our bigger dogs don't slam on the end with hundreds of pounds of pressure. You don't need that thick of a chain. You, you just right. don't. You know, um, yeah. you can. I mean, I I I've seen dogs where the I've walked out there before. And the dog's actually got a broken snap, but it's still hooked on the D-ring of the collar. Yeah. You know, the gate won't close, or I forgot, you know, somehow that gate worked open, got some mud in it or dirt in it. Mm -hmm. And the dog's just standing there. It's like, you could have taken off, you know? (laughs) You could have gotten away. Uh But but they're so used to it, they're not slamming the end of that that chain and and doing... I've, I've seen a lot of dogs like that. They didn't even realize that they were... That they were free you know that they yep. could have gotten away but um it's it's how heavy a chain how heavy a chain what do you think i i haven't that'd be interesting i had to go i should have done it before we started this but i use kind of like a i don't use the uh oh uh, that wo- woven wait that twisted you know that thin chain that's like it's got two links and then the middle of it's twisted oh. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Almost, uh, yeah, it's like almost like a bow tie. Mm-hmm. They're they're twisted in the center, and they got a loop on to the left and to the right. And it's and one of those if you grab it with your hand, and somebody snatched it out of your hands, it would cut you all to pieces. You know? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't use that kind of chain. I use uh, up. I use just standard link chain, and yeah. uh, it's not heavy, but a little bit of weight is good too mm-hmm. because when they when they do drag it, then it then it builds muscle. Yeah. You know. It does keep them in shape. If drag a chain around behind you in the yard for a little bit and see if, you know, it doesn't wear yeah. you out. Yeah, uh-huh. it's, it's, you know, it's going to, but, but I think, I think there are some drawbacks and I think some of the things that, uh, have contributed to this narrative that it's bad is when people don't take the time to really think through what they're doing. And, um, Getting back, I'll tell you one before I get too far down that path. We we're talking about dogs that didn't know that they couldn't get away. Yeah. So I was bear hunting in Virginia this year, and we were tied out in different places, and I tied out on somebody else's tie out. Well, it had rained, and the stake had actually worked itself out of the ground, and the stake was laying there on top of the ground. Uh huh. And Cajun didn't even realize that he he that he wasn't tied up. Yep. I mean, he was he was right there. It was like a, a a a coyote drag or something on a trap. But anyway, I think one of the things that has contributed to this is guys that that don't put the thought into it, and it's haphazard and it's half-assed. Really, is what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll take this four-foot chain and wrap it around this tree, and I'm hunting every night, so so that dog's fine. He doesn't. He's not going to do a lot anyway. I think we've got to be a little bit conscientious on how we get, how we set this up. They're not, they're not tied out there to a, you know, a refrigerator box for a dog house <laughs> yep. with, with the kids blankets from the house that they don't want anymore. And they're half muddy and wet. Mm-hmm. That's where it all goes south. I agree. You know, 
And and it's it's not just it's not just houndsmen. It's the mo- most places that you see that kind of activity is in the urban setting in mm-hmm. these backyards and stuff where the news camera can get to it easy and see it and hear these dogs tied on you know three foot chains in the mud and the house and it's just deplorable conditions. And he doesn't have anywhere to take the waste. You know, mm-hmm. so if it's not He's out from under it. the dogs, it's kind of over in the corner and the smell's bad. Yeah, it's tough to it's tough to do it right when you're living on top of each other like that, you know? Um, yeah. And but like you say, you just stand up on a box in the neighbor's yard and you can get a film of it, you know? You can get right. A picture of it. That's, that's 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 exactly happens, right. The nosy oh. Karen next door flips her phone out, takes a video of your backyard. And the next thing you know, you got the ASPCA and, and the animal control officer in your driveway. Yep. So you got to take a little bit of time, build the narrative, but also make the extra effort. I'm not saying kennels are bad or, or I use kennels. I do use kennels. I've got a really not, I've got a really good kennel that I built myself. It's got, it's got a wooden bottom in it. The dogs are off the ground. It's dry. I can keep it sanitary. It's absolutely crucial for me to have when female, you know, when, when there's dogs in heat, um, the, when I have puppies, you know, things like that, where I can contain dogs. So we're not saying abandon your kennels at all here. We're just saying, don't be afraid to tie dogs out and think that you're being cruel to that dog. Cause I, I think it's just the opposite. I, we've said it. I think they're, they're more restricted and feel less less psychologically free when they're looking at you through the wire. Agreed. Agreed. I would say the, 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 the hard part about chains, especially where I am, um, is keeping water warm. You know, I got to have water bowl heaters and this uh-huh. and that. And, and it, because there's more room on the kennel runs, I mean, on the cable runs and the chain spots and the carousels, because there's more room, man, it's a network of, extension cords and this and that and you got to keep them out of the way and it's, it's just harder to to manage Let but me, it's, you, you want to know a trick for that yeah what's up it was an old timer that showed me this he had taken post hole diggers and he dug like a standard post hole down to the frost line mm-hmm. and he took a piece of pvc pipe and put it down on the hole and then backfilled around it and then he took a um he took a uh he had it measured out for like an eight inch stainless steel bowl would fit in that pipe and, uh-huh. and rest on top of it. Well, the heat from the ground coming up from the bottom would keep that water open for a lot longer than, than even a heated water bucket. It won't freeze. If you, if you put that down on ground level and let the heat from the ground come up underneath that bowl, huh. it won't, it won't freeze. It might not work in your temperatures, but back here in the, mid, say, back here in the Midwest, I think, yeah, I think the bulk of the United States, that'd be the ticket right there. I think that's yeah. a great deal. Mm-hmm. Um, You're looking at extreme temperatures, so I don't... Yeah. Plus, I wouldn't want to try to dig a hole like that out in your country anyway. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll get a skid steer with the downward pressure. You got it. It takes me 40 minutes with a gallon, with a five-gallon bucket of water to help it out. It, it's hard to dig here, but... Yeah. But I think you got, I think you got a great deal there, you know, uh, about putting it down in the, in the ground. I like that. That is, yep. that is nice. I could have used it back in Louisiana. That's for sure. Oh, no doubt. No doubt about Louisiana for sure. Mm. So no, I think, I think we've, I think we've, uh, shined that tree enough. I think you're right. I think we've looked at every limb of it. You know, if you're going to do it, do it right. Um, you know, take some extra care to clean up the waste, keep a nice sanitary thing. Anyway, use some gravel around there. Keep them out of the mud. You know, dogs standing in the mud all the time is, uh, it's hard on their feet. It's not, it's not, uh, they'll make them, make them slip pads and different stuff. I mean, even soldiers and big thing back in the day was, was trench foot, you know, back in world war one and dogs can get it too. So if you think you're going to let a dog stand in mud all day and then go out and run him hard, you're going to come home with a dog with no pads. So keep them out of the mud and there's a lot of, a lot of good options. That that the, uh, that moisture, I don't like the moisture either up here because it is so cold, and we go through so much straw keeping them warm. Um, a lot of times they can they generate enough heat to take care of themselves. You just need a small enough doghouse that they could retain their heat, 
And then all the straw helps, you know, insulate, of course, and hold on to that heat. But one of the one of the main things it does for me out here is absorb some moisture. If they if if that all that straw gets wet, it's hard for a dog to keep themselves warm. Yeah. You know, so that's one of the things I hate the mud the most is because they keep tracking that mud and moisture back in and then then they're fighting a losing battle in the doghouse because all that straw is wet, you know? Um, what kind of dog houses are you using, Chad? Do you use the A-frame barrel houses? I use a number of different houses. It all depends on the application. I got a bunch of them and I swap them out all the time. But I use uh I do A frame doghouse um setups made with a like a fifty gallon fifty five uh a gallon barrel. Um a plastic barrel with as small as hole as I can get it, depending on the dog. I got I look like I collect these things because I got different sizes and I refuse to cut them because I'll, I'll, I'll cut them bigger. And then I need that size again for that dog. I like the, the hole to be just small enough for them to squeeze their butt in there and they can hold on to the heat. And then in the summer I have big hole barrels, you know, to let the heat out. But the dog houses are a frames built out of, you know, four by fours and deck boards uh-huh. with the 40, uh, with the 55 gallon plastic drums in there. And then for my larger dogs or my dogs that I can kennel up together, I got the, I think they're 200 gallon totes that every, uh, they're called totes, at least where I'm from. The, they got the, the white, wire crate around the big plastic. Yeah, it's a big old plastic square that they put mm-hmm. whatever kind of, you know, cranberry juice is what some of these were holding, you know. Right. And uh, you can clean it out, sanitize it, make sure it's good to go, and then cut a nice hole in it. And you can fold the plastic out and around and then uh, use uh, screws to bolt it to that cage. You know, mm-hmm. and they can chew on the inside, but the cool part is on the inside, they, they can't hang a tooth on anything. So there's no way for them to chew. And then you can bolt the dog door to that. And mm-hmm. as the dogs are training, you can wire that dog door up about halfway. And then they get used to feeling it on their back. And then you just lower that wire down every few days and they get used to moving it out of the way. And before they know it, they're picking it up with their nose and hopping right in it. Right. And I've, I've had some dogs that just weren't good at dealing with the cold. And it's real easy to slap a heater on one of those, you know, the little, mm-hmm. the little air heater. I mean, they ain't throwing a lot of heat, but dog, the dogs don't need it. They generate a lot of their own heat. Especially um, if you put, get a couple, couple dogs in there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the ones I put a couple on, I open up that dog door. They'll get mm-hmm. too hot. It's hilarious. I, I had a buddy bet me money and we sat out there until it happened. <laughs> and yeah, I have three dogs in one of those barrels and I dropped the doggy door on it. And we were sitting there having a good time, you know, cutting dog toenails and, and I just cleaning everything up. And I was like, you watch. They're going to come out and lay over in that snow pile over there because they're too hot in there with that door closed. And they're like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Okay, come on. You know, we sat there and watched. And sure enough, you know, these are sight hounds, thin, thin, thin yeah. furred sight hounds that would come out, you know, because I have this exercise area that I bring them out to during the day. And they'll come out and walk over to the snow and then lay down in it. Like they're cooling themselves off. And then eventually they get too cold and they're like, okay, back into the doghouse and they'll go back in it. And then, about 10 minutes later, the other dog will come out and go lay down in the snow. You know, like <laughs> People think they need a lot of heat and they'll put like light bulbs in there and stuff like that. And you'll cook them. You know, they don't, they don't need that much. They, they generate plenty of heat on their own. Yeah. Um, but between those, between those two, and then I have, you know, my facility as well, where they, they come in into a building and they'll come through a dog door. And then I got like a little, a little, set up in there where they'll come in and that's a little more open but it's climate controlled they're in a, a communal area where they all heat each other i got a little propane heater in there um vented of course and uh so i got a bunch of different options but honestly like i said if i had if i had all the money in the world uh, i'd buy a whole bunch of land and i'd probably do cable runs or carousels as far as the eye can see and you i would look like one nothing. of those chicken farmers Mm-hmm. You know, and as long as they get hunted hard and ran good, I mean, that, that'd be great. I'd have them off the cement, out of the kennel runs personally, and uh, on them cable runs. And then I'd, again, then I'd have the money to run power to all those little setups so I can, I can put my heated water bowls out there and, and this and that. Each, each run would have shade and, you know, yeah. a winter doghouse and the summer doghouse to swap it out with. And that, that, that'd be the best, but I would go to, ca- I'd go to tethers if I had. You could to- put a cable run, you could put a cable run and put the, the winter doghouse at one end and the summer doghouse at the other end and see which one they, they prefer. 100%. Give them options in the Didn't spring. Even have to, wouldn't even have to move it. Mm-mm. No, that'd be great. The way I make mine, because, you know, I'm not a millionaire. <laughs> I make my A-frame so that I could, I could take that barrel out. You know, I just put this one little board across the bottom and it kind of locks it into place for the season. I ain't got to worry about it. And then come the change of season from winter to, to spring, 
eventually it'll get warm enough. I'll notice them underneath the A-frame because I always give them room to get underneath and dig in and just that, you know, that's one of their, their ways to get away so that they're not in the heated area. They're just in a shaded area. Um, and once I start seeing them under there more than out, I'll take them out. Um, and you just take that board out and pop the uh, winter doghouse out and slide the slide the uh, the summer in. It's it's too easy. It's not it's not that bad. Maybe we'll get some pictures and video here one of these days. Hey, I need yeah, we need some pictures. I'd like to see your uh, a frame doghouses. I think yeah. those are I think those are slick. I haven't built one yet, but I plan to do it this year. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm gonna do carousels. I like your idea about carousels. I really do. Hey. They love them, man. The dogs that like them wouldn't have it any other way, man. Like, it's, like you go hunting and you come back and you're like, man, this dog's tired. I'm not going to see him. He ain't going to bark for four days. I'm not going to hear, I'm not going to hear old Billy bark for three, three, four days. He, he ran hard and you clip into the cable run and you go back to the truck to bring the next one out. And there's Billy doing his satellites that are on the cable run. They can't help themselves. They just run. Tap, 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 tap. And they just, <laughs> they just zip around it. And you have the doghouse tucked up underneath it with their water bowl. You know, you can secure it with a little eye bolt to the same pipe that comes up mm-hmm. out of the ground. And uh, the wear point, you always got to be aware of your wear points, um, is where that, um, that piece of rebar, 90s, coming out of the pipe. Where it 90s and it rests. Yeah. You know, rice on top. That is where it. That's where it will break when it breaks. But hmm. you can see it coming. It's not. It does not sneak up on you. you know? Yeah. Um. And then you just go get another piece of rebar and bend it and weld it again. I mean, not weld it, but just heat it up and bend it over. If if anybody's listening and plans on doing this, um, I know we see it on TV a whole bunch where people heat up rebar with a blowtorch until it's cherry red and then fold it over where they want it and. uh I think I think everybody likes to do it because it looks cool. I know I sure used to like to do it, but then you quench it. You know, people put it in the water, you yeah. know, and it cools it off. Do not do that. Don't do that. Brit makes it, it brittle. Yeah, it, ma- it makes it hard. Right. You know, like if you were trying to put an edge on a a knife or right. something like that, it'll make it way harder. But this needs to be flexible. You don't mm-hmm. you don't want to make it hard there. It'll break. You know, so if you do right. heat it up with a blowtorch, it's pretty easy. You just Keep the blowtorch on it. Get your one of those, you know, ones from Home Depot. I, I I like the little yellow tanks. They get hotter faster. Then you just heat it up until it gets cherry red, and then just slowly fold it over and just drop it on the ground. You know, drop it on the ground and just leave it there. Let it cool off on its own time, and that way it stays flexible more. But that's where it'll break. You know, do you weld the loop? That. You weld the loop in the other end. Yeah. So yeah. it comes up out of the ground in the pipe, and then you got a ninety so that it goes straight out. And then at the end, I just, I'll fold it over and make a little eyelet, you know, bend it over, make a circle, you know, something to connect your, uh, and I, uh, some people like to weld something on the end of it. Yeah. Keep it simple, stupid. Don't, don't worry about that. Just heat it up and bend it over, make a circle with it. And then you could run your chain right through that and attach the chain to itself with a quick connect, you know, and then pull it back, do everything you can to pull that chain all the way back to the center pipe. That's the only time you can get in trouble with this setup. Don't bring it all the way back and let it wrap around. Put the collar on it, you know, and, you know, because sometimes you end up putting a swivel there. You you measure the chain and forget about it and then put the, the swivel and the quick connects and the collar on it, and then you add it at six to eight inches. You know, don't, don't do that. Don't make that mistake. Do it all the way. And as long as you can't take that collar and wrap it around, he can't he can't go around it. And then he right. can't go around it and go over top and 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 get himself hung up. And then you're good to go. Let her ride. Get out of the way. That carousel will knock you out if you're not paying attention. You know, if you reach <laughs> in there to clean something up, he, he's coming around. That dog is coming around in a circle. You know, so uh, that would be a problem with it. I guess you got to pay attention if you got any youngins around and they walk out there and that carousel comes around. It could, it could, it could put the lights out. That's for that's for I'm sure. already thinking about how to how to put a brake on it so that you can, you know, you can go in there and do your thing. But uh yeah, man, this is this was a good one. If yeah, you're gonna tie them out, do it right. Do it mm-hmm. right. I think I think people got a lot of takeaways now. Know how to talk about why you got your dogs tied out. Mm-hmm. Start out by doing it right and then know how to talk about it. I'm, I guarantee right. you you won't you won't have any problems unless Unless you've already lived in a socialist state where they've taken away your freedoms and given your dog more rights than what you have. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 don't forget about those collars. Like I said, you can get the snaps out of the way and just quick connect the chain right to it. You can get it. Just Google 
you know, fleece line, nylon collars, you know, and then that's just, you just buckle it to them. It does not take as long as folks think it does, you know, and there's like some four ply nylon collars that I made the mistake of buying. I thought I was just going to, you know, over engineer this, yeah. you know, to the, and they're, they're four plies of nylon with the fleece on the inside. And man, that was, I got toe cables that aren't half as thick as them things were, <laughs> you know, don't make that mistake. Two ply of the nylon is plenty. You know, yeah. for your hundred, you know, for your eighty-pound vicious bulldog that wants to, you know, kill the tree in your yard or something like that, that then two-ply nylon is plenty. Don't don't make my mistake and get the thick stuff. You know, those thin ones are real easy to buckle on. Right. Um, so yeah, man. Yeah. Cool. That's all I got. That's about everything. That's that's some, that's a good one. I like it. I, I'm going to reference this this episode a lot. I think so too. I think this is something that's a, a good takeaway because I know a lot of guys out there depend on tying out. And it is, I, I'm going to argue with you. I think it's cheaper than, than kennels, but, um, Oh, it yeah, right. it's cheaper. Yeah. It, it's, it's less money. You, but you just need to buy the land because now your dogs have more room. So if you have the real estate, they're cheaper. I, I'll, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Well, Chad, what else? You, anything else we need to cover before we wrap this up? Not really. No, we got some, like I said, I got some little kennel training tips we could we could pop around on another episode. We'll have to do that on another one, for yeah. sure. Yeah. All right, well, don't forget to, uh, if you like this podcast, share it on all the social media. When you see our Canvas pop up, share that stuff, man. We're, we're trying, uh, the links are built into it. Shane's doing an awesome job of, of building the links into the podcast. Um, check out the Houndsman XP online store. We're dropping new designs there all the time. And uh, shop at our sponsors. Those people have already, you know, they've made they've made a statement by supporting this podcast that they want to preserve, protect, and promote this lifestyle, and they're not afraid to to put their money where their mouth is to do it. So check out Cajun Lights and Dogs Are Treed and and work so well the one TDC uh, supplement that we're we're using and we endorse. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I. Check out the show notes. You'll get a full list of all of our sponsors on that. And uh, check out our other podcasts, too, on the Houndsman XP Podcast Network. We run the journey every week on Wednesdays, and there are pearls of wisdom in those things, man. Heath is recruiting the, the most recognizable professionals in the world, trainers in the world, scientists that can actually talk to you about how a dog's nose work, not what somebody saw one time and, and <laughs> is written it down as gospel is for all time, but what, what is actually going on with scent work? That's probably the biggest thing that I get asked all the time. It was a topic of discussion last week in Louisiana, you guys grilling me about scent and scenting conditions. Heath talks about it every week. So if you're serious, you, you can eat that chip chat. Crunch, <laughs> I'm trying to hold it. back. I'm no, go man. for it. Go for it. Doritos, ranch. There you go. Keep those calories up so you can keep hunting. But yeah, <laughs> check out Heath's show. Josh Michaelis, who calls and bugs us while we're recording. Make sure you're checking out the truth. And uh and yeah, Joy Dog Food, Fuel by Joy Podcast. Check that one out too. So that's all I got, man. Thanks for tuning in to the Houndsman XP podcast. This is Fair Chase. 